Punch and Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm. Sounds good. Hello and welcome to Uncle Mo's Family Feedback, where we look through the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows, and the cream middles of The Simpsons season 1 to 12 through random episode generation. I'm of course your host, Ty McRae, and oh no, what's this? <laughs> a new challenger has entered. Everyone, uh, please give a warm welcome to a good friend of mine, a long-lost friend of mine. Um, Ellis Celia. Ellis, uh, how the hell are you? How are we doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for actually letting me take part in this. No, no problem. problem. Now, no, if people don't, don't know, know uh, Ellis, um, ooh, let's have a think. I want to say it's ooh, friends for seven, eight years. I'd probably Round say about. Ace a Strong one, yeah, through college and that. What is sort of Simpsons to you? What was your uh, history with Simpsons throughout your life? I pretty much cannot remember a time of my life where I didn't watch The Simpsons. Like, even as, like, the smallest child, I remember when it was back on BBC Two and Robot Wars was before it and The Fresh Prince was on after it. Oh, or no, it might have been the other way around. The dream days. Dream days. Yeah, the, the proper OG days. And I remember just being completely sucked in and my parents bought me the VHSs and... I kind of went ham on it and kind of never stopped. It kind of became that little thing for me where I I didn't particularly find it relatable, but I found the quotes kind of something that always stuck with me. Can I guess those VHSs were the, were in the long run now, the scammy ones where it's just like three episodes? No, they were proper five episode ones. Oh, okay, okay. Bit more of a treat. I remember getting those, um, what were they, the DVDs that had like a nice burgundy front over it and it was themed like yeah. sci-fi theme or... They go abroad theme. I had the Greatest Hits VHS, which um, actually had Simpsons Roasting on an open fire as its opener. So I remember always watching that at Christmas. And the episode we're going to be reviewing today is Springfield, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love Legalized Gambling from Season 5, Episode 10, uh, directed by Wes Archer, written by Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, with the original air date being December the 16th, 1993. And the couch gag being that the family all run together and smash because they're made out of glass. What were your, I guess we'll save your full review and what you thought of it at the end. But um, what are your initial memories of this particular episode, Ellis? I actually had this one on video. And um, oh. it. so when you said to me that this was going to be the episode, I instantly was just kind of like, yes, because... For me, it was like it was one of those ones I remember watching as a child, and I still remember the kind of influence that it had on me. And like the jokes were kind of like the original kind of Simpsons jokes that were that were kind of like my first ones that I remember quoting. Is there any uh, sort of? I suppose we'll more get into it um, with each bits of scenes. But is there any uh, initial quotes from this that you use in everyday life, or little gems here and there? I think for me, it'll always be Homer in the bathroom with "That's a right triangle, you idiot." Because I feel like there was so much kind of focus on the Burns Casino part that everyone seems to forget about the kind of like the beforehand, the little gems. Yeah, I will say um, as much as I enjoyed this episode and it's an absolute banger, it's peak gold season or whatever you want to say. It's um, very Family Guy in format. Yeah. Not in a negative way, but as in there's a lot of uh, dream sequence, inconsequential stuff, cutaways here and there. It like, adds to it, but it seems very well pre-family guys whoa folks sorry to cut in i was just um cut some audio here uh i don't know my microphone just gave way about near the end of this but i just compared it to family guy with its non-sequitur and cutaways 
Now we're just entering into the episode with uh, Springfield on the grow. It's a little newsreel in the cinema there, and um, I don't know, I must have been an odd child, but I absolutely love all that old uh, 40s bollocks, you know, with the um, you know the old narrated dude voice. You know? Yeah. Oh, well, well, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah go? I, I think yeah. that part was kind of, was really, really well done, and I would have liked to have seen The Simpsons do a little bit more of that kind of stuff, because, I don't know, there was something kind of nice about it kind of learning about the history ever so slightly yeah it wasn't it didn't just become all the jokes of your shithole town it was uh one of 400 towns in america that was on the grow with uh professor rubbermouth and um you'd appreciate this uh cute uh dog cute little dog over there yeah pull in pull yeah. in for springfield and it turns out um abe and jasper are watching this back in the 40s back in the prime here and it's so prosperous and that that you think the streets are paved with gold. They Turns are. out they actually are. And it's a and it's just a big skid and a big crash there. Didn't expect that. But it cuts to a... It was quite a dark joke, wasn't it? In terms of kind of it like... Was, it was. Just a scream out of shot. Yeah. They cut forward to present day and everything's sort of run down and that. It's now porno theatre here and there. And um, they get approached by a fella for a bum with any spare change. But... They're not giving giving them any, you know. It's all handouts and people wanting everything, and then just cuts right into social security. I'm old, gimme, 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 which is a shame because we need that more more than ever now that all these pensioners are going to be paying for the fucking um the BBC pretty yeah. much. For as, for your uh, international listeners out there, um, we were nice once and gave old people like free TV licenses to watch all the. God, what is it now? Cash in the Attic and Killing Eve that they really Bargain want. Bargain Hunt. Bargain Hunt, of course. Homes Under the... Ha- oh, we, <laughs> we could go on. This shows how like we were and still are like unemployed that we can name off just uh, the best midday TV. Oh, yeah. But it turns out um, we now cut to the power plant and Homer's just busying himself in the bog and he finds something he doesn't see every day. And thankfully... Oh, God, thankfully... It's just a pair of glasses. And um, yeah, this is your memorable quote, is it then, Ellis? Yeah, that's a. Re- I can't remember the what he's going on about, but I know he's reciting the Pythagoras theorem. It is, and apparently this is a reference to Wizard of Oz when Scarecrow gets his brains, apparently. Huh. Yeah, um, in fact, uh, looking at my old Wikipedia here, there is chocker full of reference throughout here. Oh, yeah. All sorts of film and media. But it turns out those glasses um, are property of one Henry Kissinger, who's, of course, meeting up with uh, Burns. He, you know, he's too ashamed. Maybe he left them in the car, but, you know, he can't let anyone know where he left his glasses. Do you have the foggiest of who Henry Kissinger is? And I say it is because he's still 96. Any clue? I know of him and i've always known of him but i'm gonna use the excuse that i've got a little bit of brain trauma on that i can't remember who he is i can google it but i'm not going to google it i'm gonna let you tell me who he is in a nutshell he was involved he was involved in u.s politics within uh, the senate and then uh, through nixon's reign he was one of his uh, stooges one of his understudies Won a Nobel Peace Prize for, quotes, ending the Vietnam War, even though it didn't really end, but there you go. And then he got not, apparently not involved in Watergate and certain war um, dealings. But yeah, the less said about that, the, the better, yeah. but more shady Republican stuff. So 
I guess you can imagine so what his characteristics are like. Especially if he's socialising with Mr. Burns, then they're kind of, you know, shady shady characters interacting with each other. Yeah, it's like a lot of um, old white Republicans that just don't seem to die. They're just going to live on through many uh, horcruxes they've got. But whilst uh, Kissinger leaves, um, Smithers gives Burns the bad news that, you know, they're facing hard economic times there. But Burns has lived through it all. But, you know, they can sort of trim the fat a bit. They can uh, thin out the numbers. And uh, thankfully, Homer's Glasses comes into uh, preparation because Burns is just pointing at monitors. He's just giving it the right heave-ho to anyone. Him, 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 him. Hmm. Better keep the egghead. Now, has this ever happened to you that you've been on the unlucky side of this or the lucky side of this where it's, you know, random um, severances, but, oh, no, you're a... You're, you're good looking, so you can stay, or, you know, you, you, you're like a good egg, so... I think the closest I ever came to that was in a job they were looking at terminating my contract, but I kind of, I knew that I was good enough to stay, so I basically pushed to be staying in the company and moved to a different store, which kind of stopped me getting in that position. So it was more of a, put, like perseverance and kind of like a no I'm 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 not going to stand for that I'm not going to I ref- I basically refuse to have my contract terminated. Ah so you were a bit a bit more ahead of Homer here then it wasn't just down to looks and uh glasses. No. I mean th- there's the face then there's the completely different side when I actually open my mouth. Yeah I I'm not I'm not going to frighten at that. <laughs> Homer's um I say enjoying the glasses he's just taking them cuz they're free there and Oh god, the vision on here. I will say throughout this, the animation and the pan shots, because it's really hard for animation to sort of move like a camera. Like there's a lovely shot right at the end where Homer's confronting Marge and it's like a pan around them like you'd see yeah. in the film. That's really hard to animate. And even just the design here of Homer looking through and it's this mad sort of squiggle vision and that. There's a lot of good um, direction here by Wes Archer who is now, I believe, a massive consultant producer on Rick and Morty. So whatever sort of major animation show in the 2000s onwards he's been involved with. Oh, fair. I believe that spells on Family Guy, Cleveland Show, and now he's uh, uh, Rick and Morty as well. But it turns out that through this news report, by the way, folks, Henry Kissinger was hospitalised after walking into a wall. I'm not going to put a whole business out in the street, but um, I believe that resonates with you fairly well, Ellis. Yeah, yeah, multiple times. I mean, I accidentally nearly fell over again, like, the other day. I actually left the house and um, I, I slipped on a curb and nearly went backwards. But I didn't, I didn't, I caught myself. It turns out that um, Springfield's is hitting economic times really hard. You know, um, joblessness isn't just for philosophy majors and that. Um, but you've seen all sorts of people in the queue, prostitutes and all the liquor industries going. And I've said this before in other podcasts, but um, this golden era, one of the minor characters that really thrives is Barney. I feel like it's Wiggum, it's Burns, it's Barney, it's a sprinkle full of other, others and that. But it's just always the delivery with him. It's always the voice. I always found the quote about uh, what experience do you have just kind of it always threw me because it's just Barney and that's such an unBarney thing to have. 
yeah, it's right out of field there. He's a real Bob Fosse with his light feet and his years of tap. It's like, but they don't portray him as a dancer at all. Have they ever portrayed him as a dancer? I feel like they might have. Definitely as a film director, definitely in a Homer's fantasy with Mindy, but I don't think as anyone who trots the boards of Broadway or who's a... Oh, you know what? He, when he sobered up, he was um, doing cartwheels and that, reciting poetry. Ah, yes, and so that was the NASA athletic, thing. athletic, but maybe not dancing. So they end up holding a town hall meeting, all Springfield, and Crimby, his old plan is to take the whole treasury, run from here in another town, and um, maybe, maybe import the whole of the town. They're starting to drum up some ideas, a lot of poor stuff. Um, Grandpa just, um, I feel like this is very much... Oh, I don't want to say it because I'm all right with baby boomers at work, with baby boomers at work, but that baby boomer attitude on Twitter, like, oh, well, if you actually just did hard work and had property values and wages that were a lot better, then, you know, you could get through this, but you want to complain and have avocado on toast. No, I think that that scene in itself was kind of the first time you see Quimby as well as this, um, I don't think he's very corrupt in the earlier episodes, but this time they kind of gave him like a little bit more of a corrupt kind of politician look. And I really didn't notice it until earlier when I rewatched it. Like it never kind of struck me when I was younger that he was the corrupt politician in the earlier episodes. I thought it was just something in the later ones. Yeah. They're really um, up in the grubbiness. I believe in this season and, the next few, they're really going to start bringing the infidelity aspect that was massive in the Kennedy family, and yeah. they're really going to bring that into his uh, Quimby character. So they decide um, through Skinner's um, suggestion that you know a lot of towns can bring in uh, money through legalized gambling, and they all agree on it. And Burns can strengthen his tight hold in this dismal town, and Lovejoy accepting that you know once something's approved by the government, it's no longer immoral. And they'll rush off, and it's all a very exciting venture. Now, I believe we're both from the... Yeah, we're both in the same town, I think. Um, so we don't have casinos, but we do have um, your Ladbrokes, your betting shops and that. Um, your Betfreds, yep. So well, what's how big of a point is gambling in your life or in your family's life or uh, in general then, Ellis? Not massively. I mean, I had a very, very small stint with scratch cards, which um, I I managed to get over quite easily in in regards to kind of like I did get sat down by people and was just kind of like told like you you need to stop spending money on scratch cards because I'd scratch them off, I'd win a quid, I'd go back in the shop, I'd buy another scratch card with the winning, I'd rinse and repeat for about two three weeks and i wasn't actually making any profit from it i was losing every single time but i don't actually know if anybody in my family actually gambles i mean i've always i've placed harmless bets on random little things and i've been to a casino once but other than the scratch cards because i've got a fairly addictive personality i know that if i start something then it's it's down the sinkhole for me like those two p machines and the one p machines in the arcades at the seaside where they fall and and they fall off and you collect them and yeah they're pretty bad for me i've i've made a loss way too many times than i care to admit on those especially so does butlins bring back ptsd for you <laughs> yeah it's for me it's just it, i 
I find it easy to get hooked on things. So, and they're kind of like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, well, if I just put a penny in more, then loads are going to fall off. And that's not always the case, especially when you've used rigged, rigged machines, which I have before and must have wasted about 20 quid trying to get 20 quid out of it. I mean, for myself, um, I had, oh, what was it? My great uncle. He was, uh, he was big on the fruit machine or the puggies or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. But, um, otherwise than that, no, but, um, he was more in that life of he's entering 60 and I feel that's a lot of things with like um sort of run down uh mid-sized towns that you get a lot of uh older men just fritting away their pension yeah. that with the puggies and with the drinks so it was very much that sort of a uh, culture for me oh yeah definitely I mean for me I, I saw a little bit of the fruities when I was younger but I never kind of really had an interest in it because yeah, I'd watch TV poker, but TV poker was the most that I got. I've never really understood a lot of the betting systems and understood a lot of, like, I don't know how to play poker. Uh, I very vaguely know how to, you know, play the roulette machine. I, I've never really understood it, so I think that's kind of good because I'm pretty sure that if I understood it, I'd probably be in a little bit more of a sinkhole. We're going to Act 2, and um, Burns is having a look up and down the boardwalk, seeing his vision and that. And then this goes into a good little non-sequitur joke of uh, Burns, very young Burns, being very sociopathic. And I guess what a lot of um, middle-class kids do, or upper-class kids do, over here just abuse the poor workers for their own gains. And then it goes on, uh, Burns just starts laughing for well, well over 30 seconds now in different locations. I will say I prefer this over the old um, Family Guy dragging out a joke because at least yeah. for this, he changes locations and you get to see people's reactions to him like what the i this think that's old a very man doing here relatable moment as well in terms of mr burns not having very many relatable moments but we've all had those jokes where you think about it and then you're just gone and then every yeah. time you think about it i think that... oh wait i'm in public oh fuck but he finally gets over his giggles and his jitters he's in his office smithers is helping him uh find some candidates, find some fine young uh, designers and architects to help him with this casino idea. And the first one is um, a typical British gent, and he gives them Britannia, you know, designed on the British Isles, best of the British Isles, and all the and all the waitresses are from the streets of Sussex. And um, I've got one question. When did my auntie get on The Simpsons? I'm not even <laughs> lying, Ellis. Gentlemen, I give you Britannia! Gambling with all the glitz and glamour of the British Isles. And best of all, the waitresses and showgirls are all real Brits. Fresh from the street to Sussex, they are. Fresh in the street, Governor. Get out. Okay, all right, wait. Now, now dig this, man. Get out. Oh, wow. Oh, let me just get my head together. No. I'll need three ships and 50 stout men. We'll sail round the horn and return with spices and silk, the likes of which ye have never seen. We're building a casino. Arr, can you give me five minutes? what side and in fact both sides of my family it's um imagine what americans think of stereotypes of british people just big noses and horrible teeth that's half my family i didn't I was, notice uh, very triggered by this. that that waitress is dressed as um ginger spice from the spice girls oh yeah i never got that reference third favorite spice behind uh baby and sporty for me i'm nah. a big mel c fan she was like fourth oh. favorite for me because i just didn't like her personality there was something about her Oh, wow, okay then. <laughs> Posh Spice was best girl. 
We're not going to get into this, but fine, all right, if you don't care about talent, then. Oh. Yeah, That's all I'm saying. Yeah, hey, let's look, not get into sing, this. Solo career, never be the same again. Anthem of 2000, that's all I'm going to say. Burns, you know, they're all idiots, you know. He knows what the people like. Sex appeal and a catchy name. That's, wh that's why he's a half-naked mermaid and called it Mr. Burns' Casino. Now, I always remember this, watching it on the DVDs a lot for Christmas. There's always a deleted scene that comes after this, and the people watching the lights come on, and Homer goes, ooh, what a catchy name, and... Just have a guess at who says, and so sexy. I don't know. Smithers. Of course. Five I've never seen that, that deleted scene. That's really interesting. Yeah, it had a feature in a lot of them where you could play it with deleted scenes. So when um, it would come along, it would play it in black and white so you know it's deleted. Yeah. But it's a shame because it fits so well. But that's obviously a... That had to be a cut for time thing because it worked so well. But in the meantime, um, Homer angles himself a job there uh, with Mr. Burns as a croupier, and uh, it's one of his lifelong dreams. Apart from being a contestant on the gong show. That's what I've always enjoyed, this, um, the, run, the running gag of uh, lifelong dreams, including Hoagie and run out into a baseball game. Um, yeah, this is peak Simpsons for me with these running gags. If there's one thing I've always wondered about this episode is if he never got laid off from the power plant but still managed to get a job at the casino, did he quit at the power plant or...? Cause I Damn it, now, you bring, now you bring logic into it. I feel like that's I'd want always to say been a bit it's of a, a transfer. Call. I'd want to say maybe it's an opportunity or it's like um, the hoodwinking the workers into free labour at the casino for... I don't know, some sort of shitty perk. That's the old uh, headcanon I'm going to write into it. The gong show. Uh, any idea what the gong show was, uh, Ellis? No, but I have a feeling it's kind of like one of those old school talent competitions by the sounds of it. Basically, from doing a lot of behind the scenes research and a Simpsons episode where they go into it a bit more, basically the host got um, wrecked and invited his celebrity mates to judge poor talent acts. And the gimmick was that it's the worst kind of talent, and the quicker you are to hit in the gong, the sort of, the quote, better you are. And if you find genuine talent in that, then they go on to the, like, the final round. They're looking for talent, but they're just more accepting of your shite heads and your bad talent. See, that's something I wouldn't actually mind what having on regular TV now. I think that's well, something I'd be able to get the Bloody, oh, I'm doing it for my dead dog. The casino's, um, you know, starting to do well. And Burns thinks it's the perfect business plan because they just come in and drop the money, essentially. And nothing can stop him apart from microscopic germs. But, you know, that's never going to happen. And this is where it gets into a Howard Hughes territory. Um, I, I, I feel like this is going to be a broken record thing. Any idea, any clue on the magnate yeah. that was Howard Hughes? I actually read up on this um, last week. And when I rewatched the episode, the similarities between the two of them, they really did match up in terms of the um, tissue boxes and the the germs and the overgrowing, the decline in like mental health as well as like physical health. And um, even the slight, slight, slight reference of the what about the jars of urine? For anyone who's not into the history, he was essentially one of the most richest and influential men in America post-World War Two in aviation, film, automotives, you name it, he was uh, doing it. And I'd probably say the best fact and the most mental thing I've heard in a while is he was involved in productions of stuff, most notably um, Citizen Kane, in this film called uh, The Conquest of the Conqueror. If you don't know, folks, just imagine uh, John Wayne in dodgy uh, Asian makeup as Genghis Khan. I won't uh, 
say anymore. The filming was a nightmare, production was a nightmare. They had to call it quits because they couldn't film abroad anymore. But, oh, we need sort of a sandy look, you know, otherwise it's not going to be authentic. And where they were filming was in Nevada or somewhere where they kept testing nuclear bombs. Yeah. Well, I haven't done it for years. And so, okay, I'm going to bring 60 tonnes of sand. I'm going to personally transport it and, um, yeah, use it for the next shoots for the last month of filming. And consequently, years after, a lot of the cast and production died from uh, radiation poisoning. So it goes to show you how much influence he had, folks. That's That's really... That's really bizarre, I think. I think the weirdest thing I learned about him was that he had a favourite movie and while he was holed up in his um, in his room in confinement, he watched this movie for... He watched it about 150 times. I can't think of any movie I'd want to watch 150 times. I feel like even if it's for shits and giggles like The Room, you'd then start to get into the we're so personality thing. You know what? He was a visionary and people laughed at him. Howdy doodly folks, do you enjoy Simpsons podcasts as much as this one you're listening to right here? Then go check out our friends at the 411 Folks Simpsons podcast. They review The Simpsons uh, chronologically, seasons 1, 2, God knows whatever season they're on now, um, with jokes, japes, accents and a whole load of fun as well. So that's the 411 Folks at Facebook. Also, if you haven't checked our podcast out, go to Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast, a British Simpsons podcast, and the same on our SoundCloud as well, Uncle Mo's Family Feedback. Now back to your regularly scheduled listening. I mean, it'd probably be worse if like, he had no choice over what movie it watched, he watched 150 times. And being an adult that lives part-time with a two-year-old, I'm getting pretty close to that with uh, Trolls. Oh, right. So um, you can't stop the feeling of wanting to stop that film. I had to, folks. Had to get a pun in there once. Yeah, that made me feel ever so slightly better. Thank you. Nothing can stop me now. Except microscopic germs. But we won't let that happen, will we, Smithers? Uh, no, sir. They're all covered with filthy germs, aren't they, Smithers? Why, what do you mean, sir? Freemasons run the country! Ugh! Homer's uh, doing fairly well as a croupier, so much so that he's the most popular table because he doesn't get the concept of poker. He's just dealer busting every single time. Looks like y'all win again. And this is the first appearance, I believe, of the crazy rich Texan. Only he's a senator here. They don't get his character just yet. But um, yeah, gift him a hat. Word the day Kennedy was shot. And it always gives me good luck. The first appearance here. Really? Actually, yeah, yeah, because there was there was no development to him whatsoever. But in the meantime, um, Homer sort of getting in on Marge for saying, or thinking, that um, she was so against the casino and that, because, you know, ooh, Marge typically is very amoral and very um, much of a nag. There's not much I didn't like with this episode, but I didn't like the gradual sort of um, picking on Marge. And I know... A lot of it's played for laughs, but like knowing people that go through issues with their partners and just they're all to blame, it just I don't know, I just didn't find I didn't find it that funny now being a fully grown adult that Homer's like not quite what's it, lampshading now, but um getting close to it. Yeah, it was it was quite difficult to watch in some areas, like as an adult, because it was kind of like it was essentially kind of like he was very ignorant to Marge's addiction until like 
without realizing his own kind of like alcohol addiction so it just kind of was really weird to look at like marge has never been like that with him but he's quite happy to be like that with her having said all that i will say um one of the many cutaway gags we get in this episode is homer having a photographic memory and um yeah this is very beatles film sergeant pepper's vibe now uh for anyone who doesn't know uh guest ellis here She's a uh, big in the cosplay community. She's not going to like saying that because she's a uh, she's very humble, but she does good work. Now I want to know, Ellis. Um, out of the cast of characters, the imaginative people in Homer's uh photographic memory, which one could you see yourself uh, doing? What's an easy one to crop up here? Definitely Marge. I was looking at this earlier. Definitely Marge, just because I like the way her design is done. Oh, it looks like a reverse universe Marge. We're looking at blue dress here, green hair, rolling pin, cause, of course, because she's a woman. Now, I would have thought, because um, you're into your surrealism, I would have thought, oh no, the crocodile man would have been a bit of an effort, but I can see you getting away with like a man with penguin on head here. I think I really enjoyed the design of Apu with three heads as well. Oh yeah, looking they all look fed up. Like, even in his own mind, they're sick of his shit. But I think that was one of those scenes where it was just kind of like, you, you genuinely have to pause it to kind of take in what they've actually done there. Because just having a brief look while the scene passes by isn't enough to kind of appreciate it. Um, throughout all this, we get little cutaways with Grandpa and... Krusty doing his dirty comedy and that, but we see Bart illegally using one of the machines. He wins big, woohoo! And we get a little appearance by not quite squeaky voice teen, but it's pretty much his character. Uh, a great line here, one of the highlights is, um, Wait a minute, are you over 21? Are you? I'm not authorized to answer that. Like, I never resonated with squeaky voice teen, not even working in retail, just working full stop. Like, oh, the pain is too real now. Definitely. I mean, was Squeaky Voice Teen featured in many episodes around this kind of time, or was that kind of... He was definitely used in season four and five, because in a previous episode, um, Crusty Gets Cancelled, check that out, folks, on our YouTube and SoundCloud, uh, he's picking the brie out of the fry. Oh, I'll get it for you. But the teen ends up kicking out Bart, and, um, you know, their martini sucks, so boo on you. So what's he going to do, though? Make his own casino with his own little buddies? What are you going to do? Start your own casino in your treehouse and get all your little friends to come? I'd like to see that! Ha 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 ha! Hi, yeah, welcome. Have a lucky day. Mm-hmm. Well, he certainly showed me. I'd like to see that. And he proved it to him. You know, Bart's a good compare. He's able to host and, you know, certainly showed him. I always try and decide whether the A plot or the B plot in an episode's uh, funnier, Ellis, but um, it's hard to decide because this B plot's brilliant. And my favourite, absolute favourite moment of the show, which will come in a few minutes with Robert Goulet. Check out the CD. You'll just love it. Or my name isn't Robert Goulet. I love this B plot of Bart's Casino. Yeah, I really enjoyed the idea of Bart's Casino when I was younger because... I've always kind of like, I always wanted to build things and I always wanted to make things and my, my imagination was so wild. So to see a 10 year old boy not only have a treehouse but have a casino in his treehouse that was relatively successful was just kind of like mind blowing for me because it was like, I'm a child. If he can do that, why can't I? I never thought I'd see the day when Bart was inspiring. We're back to the casino and before Marge takes a big uh, dive into her own horrible gambling addiction here, I hate, now I always seem to quote this on here, but 
hate lazy articles of, oh, did the Simpsons predict the future with this? But you can sort of say that because with uh, the Siegfried and Roy types, I think it's Hunter and Gernt's, uh, the Tigerans have attacked them, the big Siberian tiger. Yeah. And it turns out, ten years later, the same would happen to Siegfried and Roy with their uh, main beast manticore. I will say there was a positive thing. Post-attack, after he had deep cuts and lacerations on his neck and spine, uh, Roy, or whoever got injured, said, do not kill manticore, it's not his fault. And then um, in one of their last sort of end-of-the-road tours, they brought out the original Montecore and had him have a great comeback and like one big final performance. So it's a bit sweet, but it's got a sweet ending. Yeah, I know, it's really heartwarming if um, deadly. Yeah, I never knew that about them. I think in terms of Siegfried and Roy, that was kind of that was my first introduction to them. So I never really fully understood the gag. It was it was one of those episodes I definitely think I'd I'd have understood the episode a lot more if I was older when I first watched it. It's a bit shit looking back on it now because different times and that, but I think more of the humour was then because obviously there was no tiger attack, but it's more of the, um, oh, they're, uh, you know, they're bed buddies there. They uh, like each other's company. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I still enjoy the part where they just see that redneck. And they're going, you know, we're yeah, having a party tonight. They appreciate a bit of rough. I can respect that. Yeah. A round of applause, please, for Anastasia. She loves show business. So much nicer than the savagery of the jungle, yeah? But we see Marge um, picking up a penny. You know, ooh, is there a lost and found section? A very cute bit of dialogue. But um, she gives a little well on the puggy, on the slot dispenser, and uh, she ends up winning. And this is where... You know, the hooks of Gamblor, spoiler folks, sort of seep into Marge and she ends up uh, spending many hours and nearly days into the casino as well. And uh, of all people, Barney has an accidental intervention whilst uh, well, he brings back Maggie because she goes on a little tour and uh, trying to get a dummy back. And nearly gets eaten by a manticore, the big Siberian tiger itself, but... Uh, Barney, again, back on great form, you know, ah, Marge, you know what a boy bark given in by that pony. I think Barney's character in this episode was really interesting, especially his his quote when he is actually kind of like watching Marge's behaviour. For Barney, it's a very kind of, very smart thing for Barney to say in terms of, wow, that's class of compulsive behaviour. I think it's a lot of playing against his character type. A lot in this episode, that's uh, what I'd go with. Yeah, but for him to kind of come out with something like that was just kind of... It, it was it was quite interesting, really. But then to go and down, like, cups of quarters. Wow, free beer! <laughs> Buddy, those are my quarters! Uh, hey, this guy's paying off! Well, he's a very charitable man, he's paying out. Now, uh, what method would you go for here, then, LSU? Go and... Hands out or um, scraping across the floor? Scraping across the floor. Wait. Oh, okay. No. Oh, we're deep thinking about this it's now. It's a difficult one because I don't really like the idea of touching coins that's just been in someone's mouth. But at the same time, the floor's probably dirtier. So I'm not really too sure on that one. Oh, so it's not even a like a great value thing. It's a hygiene thing for you. Yeah. Oh, didn't even mention Lisa's tiny plot, C plot, is she's got to make a costume for a states for a little talent competition there the many states of america and she's decided to go with florida marge promised to help her with a costume but 
unfortunately, she, the casinos sucked her in. And meanwhile, the house is a shithole. Nothing's getting done here. Um, and Lisa keeps needing help with a costume. So uh, Homer's not, you know, he's not having trouble with uh, Marge not being at home. You know, you've got you've got to improvise your breakfast and not realizing. I always saw this in like compilation clips of, uh, you know, ooh, Tom Collins mixing this pie and all that. And you think, oh, okay, by putting the pie crust on top of this bottle, it makes it a pie. Seven year old me thought, but looking back at it now, just thinking like, oh, like cold alcohol mix and cold crust pie. Oh, that's desperate times. Plus, I hadn't tried clove oil until I was about 20. And if you've ever tried that stuff, I would never want to eat that, so... There's nothing to eat for breakfast. You gotta improvise, Lisa. Cloves, Tom Collins mix, frozen pie crust. Maybe Mom just doesn't realise we missed her. We could go down to the casino and let her know. Oh, come on, Lisa. There's no reason to... It's it's quite interesting. I, I what did you think of Lisa's C plot? Because I, I didn't massively care for the whole thing about it. I, I found that the whole Florida I'm Idaho thing was quite an overrated part. So the C plot never really kind of took me in. Well, I think it's used more as a inciting incident for Homer to say, "Oh no, this is too far now. Yeah. I'm going to get Marge." Very much a device for that. But I mean, maybe it's overrated, but. I will say it spawned, um, well, one great costume and one good costume and one great line in this episode as well. Ah, okay. Um, part two of um, Ellis's cosplay fashion walk here. Um, how would you go about designing Lisa's nice Florida number here? Be easy. Just get a piece of foam. I work a lot with foams and um, they're easily shapeable. So you can just kind of like, you could either do it so that it was 3D and you slip it over your head or kind of get some straps so that you strap it to the front and strap it to the back. I think that'd be my way around it. Now, do you use orange mandarin or fake fruit? It's a difficult one because I've actually used like real foods in cosplay before. I'd quite honestly probably go with using a, f a real fruit because I get so hungry throughout the day most of the time that it would just be easy enough for me to pick it off. And oh, okay. it means that I wouldn't have to travel with like this really awkward shaped costume i could just stick it on when i got to the hotel we're back with um bart this time and the casino's running really well um no one sort of ratted on him and i'll just say it now absolute favorite part robert goulet like he's not one of the famous guest stars you think about but like the same show business he maximizes his minutes they write him very well he performs very well um he did a he's most notable for like a couple of old musicals in the 50s 60s uh, funny story as well, the Camelot stage role was actually supposed to go at Elvis Presley, but um, Goulet got it, and during that tour, he said to Presley, oh, Presley, by the way, um, I had it away with your wife, and this allegedly led to the myth of um, whenever Elvis would see Goulet on television, he would take a shot and shoot at the TV set. That's quite interesting. I never knew that. It's a parody of um, in the Simpsons episode where... Uh, they make their own itch and scratch the episode and oh the show ain't no good yeah that is a parody from that rumored story oh, i think robert goulet had a really good kind of he was a good character for the the simple one-liners that he did like for me just the vera said that was just kind of that like, is my line of the show that is my line of the show he just kind of he his one-liners make him 
very memorable in that episode. I like his. He's a he's a smooth operator. He, I love his delivery and his voice. And like you say, um, he just seems to play it straight. He, he, I mean, he doesn't care that he's performing for a kid. You know, paycheck's a paycheck, and he does a bloody good job. You know, um, jingle bells, and the kids are lapping it up. And you know, thank you very much. And oh wax the microphone in the middle has oh i'm sorry kids like it's all genuine i love it yeah there's so much energy in it as well hi you from the casino i'm from a casino good enough let's go i'm afraid robert Golay hasn't arrived yet sir very well begin the thawing of jim neighbors are you sure this is the casino i think i should call my manager your manager says for you to shut up vera said that hmm. uh, oh uh. <laughs> Jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. Batmobile lost its wheel and the Joker got away. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, I'm sorry, kid. Burns here in his uh, HQ is getting more and more Hughesy. He's getting more and more paranoid, including seeing bugs on Smithers' face and grimacing. He's not even annoyed that Robert Goulet is gone because he's going to thaw out the corpse of Jim Neighbors. He'll get him going, it's fine. What did you think of Burns getting more and more decrepit and more and more Hughesy? Because we're going to get to the um, Spruce Moose in a minute as well. It was quite interesting to watch because they did the kind of... They, they kind of portrayed as well, like, it's not just his um, physical health, but, like, his kind of dip into insanity... I feel was done like we live in a very snowflake time so it wouldn't pass now but it was done very sensitively like that was kind of like true true kind of mania and I think that really kind of made Burns's character really shine in this especially like just the way that he snaps out of it near enough instantaneously I think that having him decline so much but still kind of be very aware was really interesting because he's always kind of he's always had these roles where he's like He's nearly died where, like, whether he got crushed by a robot or needed the blood transfusion or whatever. But they've never actually kind of shown him kind of, like, going into that insanity. And I think he pulls that off as a character really well. Yeah, it's not horribly offensive, like, mental illness. It's just, like, it's just, like, cartoon wacky and it's not making fun of him. It's more like, I don't know, like, my favourite misdirect. Like, I'm very much more of the... I'm not a big fan of the, um, I said, hop in with the spruce moose. I'm very much more of the first joke of, oh, that's a good model, sir. Model? Yeah, I'm the same. I find that, I think it's because it's such an old episode. It's, it's very, very highly quoted. But I think Mr. Burns also falls under what Barney said earlier about the classic, classic compulsive behavior. Because you can see him, like, sitting in his swivel chair, spraying the anti-germ spray. And it just kind of... I think it all ties in really well. Smithies, I've designed a new plane. I call it the Spruce Moose, and it will carry 200 passengers from New York's Idlewild Airport to the Belgian Congo in 17 minutes. That's quite a nice model, sir. Model? Now, to the plant. We'll take the Spruce Moose. Hop in. But, sir, I said hop in. Homer ends up having to uh, help Lisa with a costume, you know, or the, you know, I uh, drove your mother to the hospital to give birth to you, and now this, the two absolute hardest things he's ever had to do in this marriage, but you get a nice little compilation of Homer just knocking nails into wood and stitching stuff up, and 
He makes the shower shit costume and Lisa's not happy. You know, she's not a state. She's a monster. Homer, I will say, he, um, not trying to eke in my wrestling terminology, but he cuts a good promo here, you know. Oh, the only real monster is the monster that enslaved your mother. And I call him Gambler and he runs off in a fit of passion here. I always appreciated this line. And I think it worked on me so much as a kid sort of learning about direction of comedy and delivery of lines because you're like okay yeah he's getting angry he's gonna save it and then he just sort of like undercuts it a bit by giving the monster an actual name and features yeah and just the little animation of his hands going yeah i think that kind of that definitely seeing lisa cry definitely i think clicked in his mind the severity of the situation like it seemed like right up until that very 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 point he didn't care but the moment that he saw lisa crying over it that's when it kind of clicks for him great uh call to arms for fatherhood there and homer does he uh, goes on and tear around burns his casino and knocking people over and causing a lot of good luck and a lot of uh, happy customers rolling them the perfect dice or giving them the perfect play but burns sees this on the monitors and um he doesn't want this lunatic running around or just transferring back to the plant and this is where Burns snaps out of his Hughesy um, moment there, you know, get these Kleenex boxes off our feet. Oh, but what about the urine jars? Uh, keep hold of them. Well, now, why would you want to keep hold of them unless you're some Kim Woodburn Aggie freak? I don't know. I mean, he's he's an old man, so I imagine you can probably do some form of, like, scientific thing with them. We've seen that he's got a lab in the uh, power plant anyway, so I imagine he can probably, like essentially regenerate i'm very worried i never thought burns was the um jillian mckeith type let's have a look at your poo i mean i can't think of any other reason to keep pee unless it i knew that it was gonna like give me a few extra years on my life hey i mean <laughs> we're selling bath water in 2019 folks why can't we sell piss homer finally ends up um finding marge she's about to spend like a last quarter he chucks a machine over speaking gobbledygook you know you're gonna out. what you're gonna further add it. Think before you say each line. It, it was kind of nice though, like throughout everything, to see Marge still try and kind of get through to him. Like he's oh, yeah, she's going still off. Very caring. He's going off on one, and she's still kind of like, "No, come on, come on." Homer explains to her that she's neglected the family, made Lisa cry, and her cry, Maggie laughing because she's clueless. She's such a little trooper, so. This causes Marge to snap out of it and realise, um, you know, she does need help and she does have a problem. And this is where Homer, I suppose there's still funny bits in it, but where Homer gets a bit insidious and having one over on Marge and having a lot of friends that have dealt with um, therapy and uh, all sorts of issues and that. The horrible line of, um, oh, maybe I should get a... Guidance or therapy. No, 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 don't do that. It's too expensive. Just th promise you won't do it again. Yeah, it's not exactly the most supportive thing he could have done. I don't. If there's one thing I always really didn't like about this episode was the, the bit that precedes this part. The whole, well, you have a gambling problem, was just kind of like, wow, you're a dick, Homer. Yeah, it is sort of a awful end to it. Even though he's promising, I won't do it as long as you don't. Um, as long as you don't gamble on that. I mean, that's how we pretty much end the episode, folks, with uh, Homer sort of talking down to his wife. As much as there's some funny bits in there, 
But I will say, it didn't affect my overall thoughts on this episode, which I'd say it's um, it's damn near a blockbuster if, um, you know, a few problematic moments. Oh, I will say the only other bit I didn't like that was problematic is um, there's a little reference to Rain Man where a Dustin Hoffman type character is gambling and Homer saying, oh, you got 21 again. Do it again. And Yeah, I never saying, understood no. that part. Right. Well, what I read into it now, knowing what I know about autism and that is they're sort of comparing Homer to a man with autism and them sort of like freaking out both together and smacking the heads like looking back at it now it did make me cringe a lot yeah it's quite insensitive but then again it was the 90s so jokes like that kind of passed i definitely think if that episode was re-released now it wouldn't it wouldn't have as much success as it did when it was first released but i will say folks overall and before i give them a rating i will say uh i thoroughly enjoyed this i forgot how good this was from the references alone to the one-off gags to uh, a lot of the minor characters and oh we forgot to talk about one of the biggest and freshest memes out of here but i didn't want to alarm you but there may be a boogeyman or boogeyman in the house i love we didn't that even part. touch that on us what do you think about this meme and the boogeyman scene i haven't forgot this that's might be even one of my best scenes in this yeah, I think that's one of the ones that I'll always associate with this episode. I completely forgot that it was this particular episode until I rewatched it. But, yeah, uh, we completely missed over that. We missed over the whole I'm Idaho thing at the very, very end as well. But, to me, it, it's, it's a line that I've heard a little bit too often. But, good for Ralph. Good on him. And... The last I'll say about this, folks, very easy cosplay or Halloween options. That boogeyman scene, um, it's everything because Homer's rational. Then Lisa's saying, oh, you're going to think I'm a bit silly. But there's something about the boogeyman. And I think what gets me now, just because it's, it's everything in the scene, but what gets me is you just see his eyes go like, oh, fuck, in the bed. Yeah. And I've seen loads of memes like that where it's like, oh, when you're trying to get sleep, but then you think of that one time when you're 13 and you crushed an eye and it's just Homer's big bug eyes just yeah. lit up. Mom! Hey, Lisa, what's up? I just had a bad dream. Oh, sure. You just lie down and tell me all about it. Well, I know it's absurd, but I dreamed the boogeyman was after me and he's ah! hiding... Boogeyman! You nail the window shut! I'll get the gun! Ah! Art, I don't want to alarm you, but there may be a boogeyman or boogeyman in the house! Ah! That's why he really tried to be the man of the house, but it really backfired. I don't like that he blamed Marge for that either. What happened here? Oh, nothing, Marge. Just a little incident involving the boogeyman. Of course, none of this would have happened if you had been here to keep me from acting stupid. I think it's a very it's an epi it's a very hit and miss episode, and I don't want to focus too much on like Homer's a bad person because we already know he's a bad person. I think it just shines a little bit more in this mm. episode. Do you have a favourite version of that uh, burst through the door meme? There was a Metal Gear one, but I can't ah, particularly remember yeah. it. But I remember it. One of them had the exclamation mark. Ah! Art, I don't want to alarm you, but they encountered an unknown individual requesting backup. Ah! Art. Mine is, uh, for anyone who was 
having a PS2 back in 2000, 2001. It's a crazy taxi one. Burst through and you get the annoying radio DJ voice. Let's play some crazy taxi. And they cut um oh some offspring song to Bart. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tim screaming. It's perfect. Perfect editing on that. Art, I don't want to alarm you, but it's time to make some crazy money. Are you ready? Here we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Overall thoughts. Now you've watched it again, Ellis. It's a good episode for me in terms of it remind it brings a lot of nostalgia back for me watching it as a kid, and it kind of gives me that feeling of kind of like the easier, kind of simpler days where all I had to worry about was what episode was going to be on Channel Four that night. But watching it back as an adult. It's funny, but it's not as funny as I remember it. In fact, it feels it feels less funny than now that I understand the jokes and some of the themes and stuff like that. It's it's a really interesting episode in terms of it's funny, but I laughed at it more as a kid than what I do as an adult, but that's probably just me. Maturity and um, changing attitudes and how you think has um, I think, lessened your enjoyment of this episode, maybe. I think it tackled some very kind of serious issues but I don't think it tackled them very well and some of the themes were just kind of like sometimes they were a little bit close to home and it was just kind of it my biggest issue was the way that Homer treated Marge in this episode definitely that for me this episode was my first kind of my first experience with understanding that that, that you could have a gambling problem I never really understood before that and for me it just kind of then spurred on the thoughts as a child of like well if this person has a gambling problem how many other cartoon characters have a gambling problem it, it provoked a lot of questions that i probably didn't need to ask at the age of like eight and with that um we come to a close folks so i'm gonna give it a rating this is how we typically do ratings cal does my usual co-host he usually does what he wants out of whatever he wants so for me I try and go for out of five. So with this particular one, I'm going to go oh, uh, three and a half out of five spruce mooses. What about yourself, Ellis? How are you rating, ranking this? I think I'd probably give it the same, you know. like it, It's not bad enough to give it a two. But actually, no, I think I'd go for a four. I'd definitely go for a four. Because there's one little bit that always gets me as well is when he's running through the casino trying to find Marge and he stops the guy who's on the phone and he just goes, he can't talk now, and hangs up and <laughs> it just kind of, it tickles me every time just how irrational he's being. So I think I'll give it a four because the little jokes still make me laugh. Like when Grandpa's rolling the dice and uh, he gets it in his shoe and it, it's got its little quirks. Definitely a four out of five. It's not a perfect episode, but it's it's not a bad episode. Okay, folks, like always, you can find us on Facebook at Uncle Mo's Family Feedback, a British Simpsons podcast. We're also on SoundCloud, the same, Uncle Mo's Family Feedback. Now, Ellis, um, please, with the time we have left, what projects are you working on? Where can people find you? Please um, plug away. Oh, wow, thank you. Um... I've kind of I've got a few projects planned at the moment. Um, going to be doing a little bit of Dark Souls. Going to kind of attempt to make a little bit more armor than I've ever attempted to make because it's always kind of a little bit of a difficult one for me. I've got a few fabric-based projects planned, but other than that, I don't have any conventions planned for the near future. But I can be found on Facebook under Vacant Throne Cosplays. 
I mean, I, I'm trying to use it as much as possible and it would be kind of great because that's where you'll find me plugging my streams and you'll get be able to see what I'm doing in terms of plans where you'll be able to find me if if I'm ever looking for a photographer, all those kinds of things. What about your Twitter, Twitch, and I believe you've got a, a site for helping fund your cosplay? Yeah, I can be found on Twitter under EllieBear underscore, and you can also support me if you ever felt like it. It just puts a few quid into my account so that I can buy supplies, and that's um, at co-fee.com, that's coffee.com forward slash EllieBear. And every proceed that basically comes forward to me goes towards um, goes towards all um, all of my cosplay supplies. And for every donation, I plan on keeping a track on who donates, and they will get a free print of whatever cosplay I'm working on at the time. She's very talented, folks. So I suggest you uh, all give her a helping hand, even just from being featured on here and speaking in Simpsons vocab. I mean, what more can you want? Okay, let's strap ourselves in, pull on that lever and see what spits out of the random episode generator. You can't spell obsequious without I-O-U. That's right, we're jumping to season six for Homer versus Patty and Selma. But as we always say, we will see you next time, folks, so take care. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good.